How's it going, everybody? My name is Austin Kiergaard, and I am with Joe Klimzeski and Kevin Brunicini. I even extended that a little bit for you, Kevin. And uh, today we're going to talk about something called reverse dieting and recovery dieting. So with my background in bodybuilding, these two topics have been pretty popular the last, I would say, 10 years. And just to give some context quick, reverse dieting is you've been on a, let's say, a weight loss journey for an extended period of time, and you're slowly trying to reverse out of that deficit and get back to either your maintenance level or your, I would say, slightly surplus level if you're like a physique or whatever athlete trying to put on some muscle in the off season, where the recovery diet is saying, well, that process is too slow. We need to just get you back to an immediate maintenance and get you to where you're feeling great and everything is good. Just zero to that immediately. Um, now, mind you, that's kind of the lack of a better definition. So I wanted to open it up to both of you because I feel this is really relevant, not just for people in a physique sport or any sort of athletic sport, but it's relevant to anybody. You've got people that lose 50, 60, 75 pounds. And I'm sure you both have heard this. I'm going to open up to you in a second, but I've heard it all the time. Like, Hey, I, when a new client comes to me, I've lost all this weight, but I gained it back within the next six months to a year. I struggle to keep it off. Is it, you know, do we recovery diet? Do we reverse diet? So Joe, I'm going to open up with you. What is your thoughts on a reverse diet versus a recovery diet? And how have you had any of those approaches to the people you have worked with? So the way I heard this first applied, so I'm going to give him credit, even though he may have found something deep in the literature that that inspired him, was Eric Helms, because way back 15 or 20 years ago, I wrote some articles for a magazine where I described five phases of dieting. And the final phase I had titled metabolic building, which was intentionally on the front side to your point about being a, a professional bodybuilder leading up to a contest so that your, your metabolism wasn't quite as sensitive. You didn't have insulin and carb sensitivity. It was to allow muscle fullness and so forth to come back. So it really uh, a major change in the history of, of bodybuilding nutrition. Well, another coach thought that was a great idea and applied it to the backside, which was just kind of common sense where, of course, after you have ended a diet, you don't want to just start eating ad nauseum and end up with 20 pounds back on your frame in a week. So <clears throat> reverse dieting became known as kind of that process after the diet. And I, I will say to Eric's credit, a lot of pretty uneducated coaches started applying reverse dieting by saying, okay, for the next week, you're going to get five grams of extra carbs. You're going to get, it was so innocuous in, in its application that he was like, no, no, no. Like we need to get people's calorie intake up higher. So he, he kind of created this recovery or, or yeah, recovery diet methodology, which was it's more important to get your body fat up higher. Like, I don't want to delay that for two months. I'd rather do that in two weeks. And I kind of disagree in most cases uh, because you don't, I mean, those are two extremes, you know, a super benign five gram a week kind of thing versus like, we need to just pack 10 pounds on your, your body in a week. Most people only really need four to eight weeks and those jumps can be pretty consequential. If you give somebody 50 grams of carbs, 200 calories extra, they're going to feel pretty good. Um, they they don't have that maybe intrinsic motivation of the, the contest again that they just 
um, you know, exited. So that can be psychologically difficult. But I just, I, I don't know. I don't see that much need unless it's a dire medical reason for somebody to go into a massive, very fast recovery diet. Nope, that's a great point. And I have something to add to that, but I'm gonna throw it back to Kevin. Same questioning, like, have you taken this approach? I know you say you you work with Gen Pop, but have you had any clients when they've lost weight and they ask you, what are the next steps? What is your approach to that? There's a lot of understanding that, well, first off, there the process of transitioning from active weight loss to maintenance um, should be re relatively seamless in a sense of behaviors. Like it should not much should change other than just quantity of food. Granted, that is a process of adding more over time, but you know, they should understand that there's nothing dramatic that's going to be different. You just get to eat more. You should hopefully be help happier, more social, more flexible as a result, et cetera. But, um, you know, that is the foundation for me that lays the, that lays it, um, in terms of that dialogue, but they need to, I make, I make it clear clients, they need to understand that the process of maintenance is probably just as difficult in my opinion, because they want to pull that bandaid off or they just think it's like, again, past attempts of, you know, coming out of a diet or being so pissed off with a diet that they just come out of it is to just simply do it quickly because they don't know any other way. They just assume a diet is, this is how I eat in a diet. Then when I'm off a diet, I eat another way when again, it should be seamless, should be no difference other than just quantity with it. Again, generally speaking. So if that is, if they understand that, then the process should be relatively simple in the sense of it's going to be, um, iterative amounts or, you know, there's going to be a, a eventual, uh, what is the word? I'm just waves of more food added, assuming that they're tolerating it. Okay. Because I, to your point, Joe, I would not want to have someone who's especially at a metabolic level that's performing under, you don't want to give them a surplus of food. Cause in that discrepancy between where they currently are and what their maintenance metabolic rate may be, or should be that discrepancy is where you're going to have a, a big discrepancy and create more fat gain or create fat uh, storage from that point perspective because of the big difference. So to me, it doesn't make any logical sense to just give it to them. Um, and I think psychologically, if you give them a little bit and add more to it, kind of like compound interest, where you just give them a little more and more, I think psychologically it helps them to be more restrained or constrained in the sense of their, they don't need to eat more and more when they may want to, but then that's, that's the challenge of maintenance in my perspective. Yeah. I've, I've taken, I'll be honest, I've taken both approaches. I like the reverse dieting uh, more because again, I, I work with a lot of physique and barbell type of athletes where they, once they cut down, you know, a lot of them are losing 20 to 40 pounds in a certain time period. And a lot of them just like to look and perform well. So if I can take gradual approaches, even if it's just a 200 calorie bump right off the bat, like to Joe's point, you know, we're able to keep them at a lower body fat, we're able to control the rapid weight gain on the way back and make it a slow weight gain, making sure it's uh, positive for what they want to see. And their feedback also helps guide this, right? Like, oh man, I'm just, I'm starving. Like I have a client right now. He messaged me the other day. He's like, I am incredibly hungry. He came off of a, a contest prep. He's a young, younger guy. 
Um, he's eating 400 grams of carbs and, and it's all relative, right? But for most people, that's like, wow, that's a lot of carbs. Well, we've been doing these gradual increases, like Joe has said over time, and he's maybe put on like two pounds. And so we're trying to, you know, ramp it up a little bit, right? I need that feedback from that individual to say, Hey, we probably need to ramp this up a little bit. He's pretty active, you know, in his senior year for hockey as well. Like we might have to bring down your outside practice activity a little bit, maybe less jogging and a little bit more weightlifting. And, you know, we've got to adjust this energy balance a little bit. So, but I've also worked with people where they're like, I feel like garbage. I'm just so tired of being this lean. I just am hungry all the time. Then I might take that approach and say, Hey, we need to just get you up a little bit more on calories. I'm not getting them to an incredible maintenance rate off of the bat. It's just, they're going to be maybe a slightly more aggressive reverse versus just a rapid recover. And the other thing that I like to make note, and I haven't seen this too much, but the other thing that I'm always concerned, I don't know about you guys, is when people get to like lower levels of body fat or they have these big transformations, you know, they're pretty sensitive. And if they go from zero to 60, I'm always curious if there is a sense of refeeding, refeeding syndrome that could occur, which can cause a lot of shifts with electrolytes, which can cause a lot of shifts with problems. I know when I was younger and I didn't know better. Like I would just, Oh, I'm done competing. Like I'm done losing this weight. I'm just going to go and eat whatever I want for like the next like week. And then I end up getting just terrible heartburn. And there's a lot of like negative side effects that can come from just going from zero to 60. Uh, I know Helms is not telling people to go and just eat whatever you want for two weeks. I know that there's a system in place. However, we have to look at the individual. We have to look at, you know, where they're at, where they want to go. And, and, and that's kind of my thoughts. So Joe, I'm going to throw it back to you. Um, what are some takeaway points for people that are watching this? They've lost weight. They don't know what to do after. What would you suggest to, to them? Well, it, it just doesn't have to be an all or none approach. So even if we want this to be very incremental and we want to respect that, that normal metabolic adaptation, so they don't regain body fat that they didn't want, as Kevin said, it doesn't have to be a super slow process and it doesn't mean that you can't go out and have some kind of a a an untracked free meal once in a while for example i have a client who just competed last night overseas and as another contest in a couple of weeks so i said okay you know any any in the, well actually i don't think it's a couple of weeks it's actually in july so we we have a couple months and so i said okay you know go have a reasonable meal with your family like go enjoy it whatever you know and let's talk about that do you want pizza? Do you want something? Let's, let's get kind of a game plan. So we know calorically where we're going to go with that, that acutely will create some satiety and glycogen stores. And as you described cellularly, there are going to be some good things because that was still a moderate increase. Then that very next week, let's start with your baseline food intake here. So there then will be that more incremental clean carb increase, maybe in a week or two, we'll add a little bit of fat and start stair-stepping, you know, carbs and, and fat until we really do hit that maintenance level that we need. But I have seen to your point, uh, you know, one client actually was hospitalized because as a teenager who just didn't know the difference, and I, I guess we didn't talk about it ahead of time. This was pretty early in my career, 16, 17 year old kid doing a teen competition he he just couldn't stop eating. And so he ate the whole weekend after a contest, after being in a calorie deficit, gained about 30 pounds and was hospitalized and had to go on Lasix. And the doctor talked about kind of a, in a hypernatremic way that like cells are exploding in your body 
and you're doing real damage here. Uh, and I saw that happen to another client, wasn't hospitalized, but a guy gained 25 or 30 pounds over the weekend because of that kind of binging. So that's obviously not recovery dieting. That's that's a problem. But you can, I think behaviorally, you can almost lead yourself in that direction because you start getting a taste of those highly palatable, fatty, sugary processed foods, and you just want a little more, you want a little more, you want a little more. So I, I think Kevin addressed this, which is that there is a behavioral element to this. And so for you to not just completely go off the, the deep end into eating too much, it should be looked as, I'll use the word Kevin used, seamless. You know, let's have the seamless increase in quantity, and then we can deal with quality, discretionary eating as we go along. But you, you need a nice little arc there for clients, both physically and behaviorally, to, to adjust. Absolutely. Kevin, I'm going to throw it back to you for the final thoughts. Any final tips for people that are... They've now lost the weight, how to go from here with their, their recovery or their uh, reverse phase or their maintenance phase, wherever they're trying to get to, but they're post weight loss. It's a tough thing to answer. And one thing, uh, frankly, this is weeks worth of, of content in itself. I, what makes maintenance tough is you're like it, you're beyond the for most most people you're beyond the initial excitement of a goal although maintenance is you know once you hit goal maintenance that can be a new goal yes but you know ignoring that fact ignoring that fact you know, you're beyond the initial excitement of starting a goal but you're far away from true maintenance so you know, you're kind of in, in a lag lull period where it does may not seem as exciting so and maintenance itself can lead to that anyways because if you don't have something on the horizon even if you're already in maintenance, then it can be very boring and drab and that in itself can make people very susceptible to regressing. Um, and that's what makes maintenance awfully difficult. So I would have to say, you know, in addition to what Joe has already said, keep the long game, long game in mind, therefore have those intrinsic values in place. I would imagine they probably are if you've already hit maintenance, but that doesn't necessarily have to it doesn't make it necessarily true, but nevertheless, uh, even in maintenance, here it's a new pro here it's a new process in of itself. So you still need to have some goal. You still need to have something intrinsically still motivating you. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's shifted. But nonetheless, know what that is. Keep that in mind because maintenance is now as long as you want it to be. I'm you know past ten years, but at this point, it's just as strong as ever. But it's. And I can't say it's really difficult at this point, honestly, but nevertheless, it's just a matter of maintenance is now as long as I want to keep it this way. And it's, it all comes back to intrinsic value. Cause I assure you, if it came back to my, my intrinsic motivation and my love for exercise sarcastically, I would be done years ago. So I, there's no, there's no better way than having this tied to intrinsic value. So that would be my thing. Absolutely. Take a realistic approach to get you to your maintenance. Find what makes you happy to stay at that maintenance. Keep it keep it there. And uh, I'm going to end it that way. And hopefully everybody enjoyed this podcast. We will see you guys in the next one in the Flexible Dieting Podcast.